Hey, Rain City. Uh, greetings from Austin, Texas. Well, technically, I'm in our offices uh, in Bellevue. But uh, currently, uh, we're in Austin, Texas. The West Coast Feed has been asked uh, to come out and play at All God's Children International. They do a big uh, charity auction banquet there uh, every year. And uh, last year, we were able to raise hundreds of thousands of dollars for orphan care around the world. And uh, hopefully, I get to come back to you next week and give you an even better report of the incredible things that, uh, that God did through that. Um, so thank you guys for uh, being generous uh, with us and sharing us uh, with AGCI. Um, we know that this is such a great investment um, to be able to, to do things like that. And uh, we can't wait to, to tell you about some of the great things that are happening. Speaking of good investments, um, I don't know if you, if you know this story. There's a guy named Ronald Wayne. Uh, Ronald is kind of famous uh, for being um, somebody who, who missed out on one of the greatest investments of all time. Um, Ronald was one of the earliest partners in a company called Apple Computers. He actually knew Steve Jobs because they worked together at Atari before they started this company. And Steve had asked him to come on uh, and become a partner. And they actually gave him 10% of the company. And so he did. He came on and he, and he helped the company kind of get rolling. And then two weeks before they went public, um, Ronald decided that he, uh, he was going to just step away, that he was going to cash out on, on his partnership. And so his 10% he relinquished two weeks before they went public for $800. Today, if Ronald had kept that investment, 10%, he would have roughly $63 million. So just to recap, he had 10% of the most cash-rich company in the world, and he gave it up for $800. Now, obviously, he didn't know at that time uh, what Apple was going to be. But what if you could know? What if you could know that the investments that you were making were going to return back to you in huge ways, that you could take all of the guesswork out of this and you don't have to play the stock market and you don't have to read the books and you don't have to look into the crystal ball and find out what if you knew that there was a sure thing when it came to investments. This is uh, what, what Jesus talks about when, when he teaches about money. Jesus talks about money a lot. Um, and, and it's really interesting the way he talks about money. He doesn't talk about money the way that we talk about money. Uh, like, for example, he says, um, don't store up treasures here on earth where moths eat them and, and rust destroys them and where thieves break in and steal. Store your treasures in heaven where moth and rust cannot destroy and thieves do not break in and steal. Wherever your treasure is, there the desires of your heart will also be. So um, the only people that talk about money like that uh, are Jesus and crazy people. Because what does that even mean? Store up your treasures in heaven. How do we make that kind of investment? Uh, well, we know that, that investing into God's kingdom, where is God's kingdom? God's kingdom is wherever God is being honored, wherever love is being shared, wherever people are, are really trying to become more and more like Jesus. This is when we know that we are making a difference in the world, that we're bringing more light and more love into this place. And so how do we do that? How do we make then the greatest impact 
with our investments and with our lives, um, as we finish up this, this ripple effect series, that's what we've been talking about this whole time, is right at the center of the ripple is where the greatest impact happens. Remember several weeks ago when I talked about standing on the frozen pond with my brothers and my sister and some of our friends, and we, we dropped the huge boulder right into the middle, and then everything started to ripple out, and ice started breaking, and we had to run for it before everything went down. That's where the greatest impact happens, and that's where Jesus is constantly trying to keep us in the way that we live, where we can make the greatest impact with our lives. And now as he's talking about generosity, he's saying, look, there is a way to make the biggest impact and it's right here in the center. And so I, I wanna talk us through uh, sort of these ripples, there's sort of four ripples I want us to look at today um, of how do we move from a place of inaction to a place of reaction, to a place of proaction, and eventually to the center of that ripple effect, which is satisfaction, where we can have the largest, the greatest impact with our lives. Um, to, to start, we'll start with the outside of that ripple effect, and that's, um, that's inaction. Inaction is simply the thought that someone else is taking care of it. Now, uh, some people would call this just, just flat out greed. Uh, and I think that we just have a, a, a different thought when it comes to the word greed. Greed is always about somebody else. And it's some Ebenezer Scrooge type figure who's, you know, or Scrooge McDuck who's taking a swim in his golden swimming pool. Um, you know, like that, that's, that's what greed looks like. Uh, but greed doesn't have anything to do with us. When in fact, it has everything to do with us. I know that I deal with greed constantly every single day. Uh, because I believe this lie. I believe that someone else is going to take care of it. This is a very easy place for all of us to fall into uh, because um, it may be true. There, there may be other people who are taking care of it. We, we literally had a conversation with somebody from Rain City several weeks ago uh, and, and finances came up and they said, oh yeah, I mean, Rain City, what, you guys have a couple of wealthy families who kind of pay for everything, Right. No, not right. We, we actually have a really beautiful community where everybody uh, who, who calls this place home is really pitching, up, pitching in and, and making this place work, no matter what the percentage is uh, of their income or how much they make. That's what makes this place, I think, beautiful and unique. But really to, say, to make that statement, I think, is, is to, to totally miss the point of what this is really all about. This isn't about saying, hey, we need to make a certain amount of money and so everybody needs to do that or only these people need to do that so we can get to this number. Really, what Jesus is constantly trying to point us back to is your life matters. Your life can make a huge impact, but you've gotta be the one that gets involved. You've gotta be the one that takes control. You've gotta be the one that takes that next step of faith into something uncertain, probably something uncomfortable, but something that's gonna grow you uh, in, into becoming more and more like Jesus. Jesus says this, don't hold back. Give freely. And he doesn't just stop there. He says, and you'll have plenty poured back into your lap, a good measure, pressed down, shaken together, brimming over. You'll receive in the same measure that you give. So in order to be able to move past the state of inaction, we've got to actually take action. So how do we do that? Well, we just start giving. And then we see if God really keeps his promises. 
Like if Jesus is saying, hey, you, you, the, you know, the more you give, the more you get, the only way to find out if that's true is to start giving. And so we move from that place of inaction and then now into this next place of, of reaction, which is I give occasionally. Now this is a really good step because you're gone, you've gone from I don't give at all to now I give sometimes. And that can be a really tough step for some people uh, because there is a sense that there's not enough. I've got to I've got to look out for number one constantly. It's that uh, the mentality that there's there's only this much to go around, and I've got to keep as much as I can get. So as we start to give, um, we we start to open that up. We start to open up our heart to those possibilities. Now, um, the idea with giving occasionally, though, is most often it is a feelings based thing. It's based on an emotional appeal. It's based on when I feel like I give, that's when I give, which again, isn't necessarily a bad thing. This is a good thing. This is showing that your heart is starting to open up to the possibilities of generosity in your life. Uh, the, the problem is though, is that feelings aren't always your friend. They're not always gonna be around. Several years ago, my wife and I, uh, got super into um, a TV show called Friday Night Lights. We, we love the show and, um, and Tammy and Coach Taylor and, you know, it was uh, clear eyes, full hearts, can't lose. And, but, but there, was, there was this one guy who was, who was so great on the show, Timmy. You know, you guys remember uh, Timmy Riggins? <laughs> remember Timmy? And every time Timmy was on, he was such a great character, but Timmy always, I think he was just like very hot-blooded or something because the dude couldn't keep a shirt on to save his life, right? No matter what the scene was, I mean, it could be Christmas morning and he's like, well, hello everyone, and he takes off his shirt. Like, but I would get inspired when I would see this dude because he was so ripped and I would think, I, I need to get in shape, man. I, I mean, like this guy inspires me to, to, to take better care of my body and to get into shape. In fact, after watching one of the episodes, I went onto Craigslist and bought some used exercise equipment. And then I went the next day and I brought it home and I started working out. And I was like, because I, I felt it, I felt inspired. And then, um, you know, a couple of days went by, I did it again. And then I, like a week went by and I, I, I think I kind of half did it. And then I think I used that equipment maybe four times. And then after that, I didn't feel very inspired anymore. And so like, I, I just was like, I can't, I got, I can't just allow myself to only rely on feelings that I feel inspired to do this. I've got to somehow figure out how to make this um, something habitual, something that's actually part of my routine, something that I build into my life. Um, the Apostle Paul is writing to uh, the early church in the, in the city of Corinth, and he's trying to encourage this again of just helping them realize how impactful their lives can be. So he says this, giving grows out of the heart. Otherwise, you've reluctantly grumbled yes, because you felt you had to or because you couldn't say no. But this isn't the way God wants it, for we know that God loves a cheerful giver. What is Paul saying? Paul is saying, don't just give when you feel like it. Or even worse is don't feel like, uh, don't give if you feel like you were coerced into it 
or manipulated into it. If you've ever felt that way, especially if you've ever felt that way here, you, you shouldn't give because it's not what the Bible says. It's not a healthy way to respond. If you felt coerced or manipulated into giving, this isn't what giving is all about. Giving is something that Paul says it grows from the heart. It's, it's a place where if we have our heart into it, that's where our greatest impact, again, continues to move forward. So how do we do that? How do we move then? Um, we move from inaction now to reaction where I give sometimes or I give when I feel like it. How do we get out of that into the next step? Well, you make generosity into a habit. You make it something that's a part of your life. Uh, and nowadays, um, it, it's super easy to do that. You can just set up recurring giving. Um, you can see in this video that it's it's very easy to just pick up your phone, open the app, and then within about three clicks, you can set up recurring giving. Um, this is so, so, so helpful, uh, not just to you and your spiritual journey and into becoming more impactful, but also uh, to us as an organization, because as we budget, uh, we always uh, try to budget very conservatively, and we always try to be very good stewards of what God uh, gives us. And so um, when you set up recurring giving, it just lets us know, hey, here's what you can expect to come in every month, and then we will budget accordingly. So for so many of you that do this, we're so grateful. We thank you. For those of you maybe that call this place home that don't do that, this will be a great opportunity for you to take that next step and trust God that perhaps your life can have an even greater impact when you take those steps of faith. So we moved from inaction to reaction, and now we move into a pretty healthy place called proaction. Proaction is I give regularly. This is a great place to be. This is where, you know, you've set up that recurring giving, uh, you know, that there are other places, there are other organizations even in your life, you, other opportunities that you're looking for that you're saying, these people are building God's kingdom. This is an opportunity for me to get face to face with somebody and build God's kingdom. This is an opportunity for me to love my neighbor or help an organization or help a friend or help some family members, help a community member, help somebody in the church. These are places where we are getting proactive and we give regularly, it becomes a part of our lives. This is a great place to be. Uh, most of us, uh, if you grew up in, in the church especially, uh, you were taught about the tithe. Tithe just means 10%. Now, tithing is, is an Old Testament principle and we now live under a new standard. It's the standard of grace. It's the standard of Jesus. And so um, when we talk about uh, giving in the New Testament, they don't talk about the tithe. They just talk about a heart-born generosity. And so I think that a lot of times for um, maybe for people who've grown up in the church or for more mature Christians, we think that the tithe is the finish line that that's where we stop, that when it comes to generosity, I give 10% and therefore I have arrived and, and I don't need to ever think about expanding that reach anymore. And yet, um, th that's not what, what we constantly see Jesus talk about or in the New Testament. Um, it, it's much more about a, a much bigger idea of growing in generosity. Uh, look at what, what Paul says, uh, again, uh, writing to the early church in Corinth, he says, since you excel in so many ways, in your faith, your gifted speakers, your knowledge, your enthusiasm, and your love from us, I want you to excel also in this gracious act of giving. 
Why does he say gracious active giving? Because he knows that these, most of these people probably uh, would know exactly what the tithe is and would still be thinking that they need to live by that law. And he's saying it's not about the law anymore. It's about grace. It's about the free will act of generosity and learning how to grow in that and reap the benefits from that as opposed to thinking of this as a God tax. Or, or even worse, is some kind of a transaction between you and God. That as long as I give God 10%, then he better do these things for me. And Paul's saying, that's a wrong way to look at that. We need to look at this in a way of growing our generosity and, and, and going even beyond just a percentage and really thinking about this in a much, much bigger way. So what practical ways then can I grow in my generosity. If you find yourself in that proactive, I give regularly, when's the last time you asked yourself that question? What practical ways can I grow in my generosity? So we move from inaction to reaction to proaction, and now we move to the center of the ripple effect, and that is satisfaction, which is I give generously. Now, uh, this comes from the book of Acts. Paul uh, is actually quoting uh, something that Jesus says, um, it says, this is my last gift to you. This example of a way of life, a life of hard work, a life of helping the weak, a life that echoes every day those words of Jesus our King who said, it is more blessed to give than to receive. It's better to give than it is to receive. I think every single one of us have experienced this on some level in our lives. We know uh, it resonates on a soul level with us that this is true, and yet it's hard for us to do it, right? Well, we need to live generously. That is our greatest goal uh, when it comes to how we invest our, our time and our resources, our money, our influence, the way that we've been gifted. But how do we do that? How do we know when we're giving generously? If we've left behind a certain percentage, if we've left behind this 10% idea, how do we know when we're growing in generosity? Well, there's a pretty amazing story of Jesus when he's at the temple and he's teaching there as he often did, or he'd have conversations with people. And um, he was actually standing by some of the donation boxes there. And some of the wealthy people were putting in their donations uh, into the offering boxes. And then uh, a widow came in and she dropped in two copper coins uh, into one of the boxes. And those two copper coins were worth about um, an hour's worth of work for, for one day's labor. So it was really not worth much. Uh, but this is what Jesus had to say about that. He said, I'm telling you the truth. This poor widow has made a bigger contribution than all of those rich fellows. They're just giving from their surplus, but she is giving from her poverty. She's giving all she has to give. So Jesus helps us answer the question then, how do we know when we're giving generously? And it's simply that generosity isn't measured by how much you give. It's measured by how much you keep. So when is the last time that we've thought less about how much we give and more about how much we're keeping? How much that we, we put ourselves first? How, how much that we think that this is gonna make us happy, this will make us more comfortable? 
this will be the thing that, that really helps me finally settle in and think that I can finally say, ah, okay, now I've reached true satisfaction. So I want you to take a moment now and I want you to look at this ripple effect. I want you to look at this grid and, and I want you to find yourself on here. This is just, just for you. You don't have to share this with anybody, but be honest, you know? I mean, look at this and say, am, am I in this place of, of inaction? That I, I do assume that someone else is going to take care of it. And so therefore I don't give. Well, take that next step, start giving. Start seeing if God really keeps his promises. Maybe you're in that place of reaction where you have started giving, but it's, a, it's only occasional and usually it's based on if someone has made a good appeal or if it's an emotional appeal or you feel emotionally stirred to give. Again, that's a good step, but you need to step into a place of making generosity a habit where it's not just based on feelings, but it's based on building into a habit in your life. Maybe you're in that pro-action place, which is, again, a really great place to be. But perhaps you feel like you've arrived. You say, I give regularly, and therefore, that's, that's it. I've arrived. I don't need to think about this anymore. I can put it on autopilot. And I would just ask you, when's the last time that you prayed or thought about growing in generosity? When's the last time that you thought, oh, man, uh, maybe I should think more about, uh, less about what I'm keeping and more about what I'm giving? And then we move into that place in the center where we have the greatest impact in our life and in the lives of others, that place of satisfaction that says, I give and I give generously. There are so many of you here uh, who are so, so good at, at this. Uh, we're so blessed to be in such a generous community um, that uh, I, I know I mentioned uh, many of these several weeks ago, but I just wanted to recap uh, again, because ju just last year in 2019, here's just a few things that we were able to do. Invest $50,000 into this local community right here at Rain City and, and the greater uh, Seattle area uh, by assisting struggling families right here in our community with rent, legal, funeral, insurance, and medical costs, putting local homeless single moms and their families up in hotels until they can find an adequate shelter, um, helping women, several women, out of abusive relationships and into a safe place that they can live. Uh, we've provided backpacks and scholarships for hundreds of under-resourced kids on the east side. We've sponsored autism runs, multiple sclerosis walks, coffin Cyrus syndrome events. We provided meals, blankets, and coats for hundreds of homeless people in Seattle. Uh, hundreds of you volunteered and showed up in August to help local teachers get their classrooms ready for the school year. Um, some of our outreach bands, the West Coast Feed, Petty Differences, have raised hundreds of thousands of dollars for clean water and orphan care initiatives just last year. Uh, last year, we gave almost 4,000 people easy access to water, to clean water, by, uh, by giving them wells there in Ethiopia and Central African Republic. We bought supplies, covered renovation costs, and bought a new truck for medical relief in Haiti. Uh, we're helping to elevate the way that the government of Colombia is caring for the orphans in their country and they are responding. And because the government 
uh, on some of the highest levels uh, of, of those uh, officials in the government are responding to this and we're seeing this work and uh, through our partners at All God's Children International that we are seeing this uh, change the way that the entire government is, is, is caring for orphans. Uh, now uh, we're able to take that care to the government of Ethiopia and um, show them that there is another way to do this better with the orphans. There are 4.5 million orphans in the country of Ethiopia. Uh, 4.5 million people is larger than the population of Los Angeles. Um, but your generosity is leading the way. In fact, we are on target to give away $1 million by the end of this year. At the end of last year, uh, we did our annual year-end Rainmakers campaign, and our goal is $125,000, and 50,000 of that would go to orphan care and to water initiatives uh, with our partners, All God's Children International, uh, Charity Water and Water for Good. Uh, 25,000 would go to Rainmakers projects, which are the local projects that we're able to do um, here within Rain City and within our community, and then 50,000 to the ongoing ministry of Rain City Church. Because of your incredible generosity, uh, our actual goal, what you actually gave, was $211,533.08. Thank you. We are making such a huge impact. But I think sometimes when we talk about really big numbers, and we talk about uh, sort of this 30,000 foot perspective of all these really big things that happen. Uh, sometimes I think we miss out on some of the finer details, some of the, some of the, 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 the single lives that, that we've been able to impact. And so I, wanna, I want you to watch a video right now of two women uh, that uh, have been impacted greatly by some of the work that we've been really intimately involved with. I grew up in Ethiopia. My mom died when I was young and my dad raised me. We were very poor. School was never an option for me. My name is one day I saw like a big circle on my dad's left side. The next day um, I went to talk to him in our living room and he was laying on the floor. He had died. They buried him under a beautiful tree. That was the last um, place I saw my dad. Nobody in my community had the resource to care for me. I had two options for my future. One was to go to the big city and live with relatives that I never met, and my second choice was to marry my uncle. My friends and neighbors came to say goodbye. I couldn't stop crying. And just like that, I was off to a new life. I had no idea what to expect. 
In the big city, I was passed between relatives. I moved with my aunt and uncle. My aunt and I didn't get along. She never wanted me. One day she took me to this place. I didn't know what was happening. No one was telling me anything. When I got there, there were kids, like babies to 18 years old. And I knew that I was going to stay there and that she was going to leave me there, basically. For you to eat at the orphanage, you had to do your chores and you couldn't get in fights with other kids. Everyone was trying to survive. A few months later, I was moved to a second orphanage. This place was different. There was enough to eat. I was excited and actually happy to be in a different place because of the people around and how caring they were. One of the things that made me very happy was having a teddy bear. It also said my name and that was my first toy that I ever had in my life. It's little, but it's, it's a lot, you know, at the same time. Within a few months, I was placed with a family and I was on my way to a new life. I'm studying computer software. My future plan is to go back to Ethiopia to help kids, and I want to do that by having a safe place for them to come and learn about technology that can help them get a good job later in life and that can keep them out of the streets.
ብዙ ወደ ላይ ወደ ታች የሚሉማሉ ያጉዝን My story is difficult but it's also beautiful Now it's no longer even possible but I still believe in the future for my brothers and sisters in Ethiopia I know that if together we believe in them they too can soar We hope you enjoyed this message. For more information and resources, go to raincitychurch.com. Thanks for listening.